It is apparent without uh, much um, significant effort being put forward on the part of the observer that terrorism, in particular terrorism directed at Christians, is on the rise, uh, most notably in the Middle East. There's also, of course, terrorism directed at other religious communities, uh, not the least of which has been persons who are Jewish in Europe. Having said that, um, the Christian response to terrorism is perhaps, at least arguably, different than the response that is called forth uh, by other uh, philosophies or worldviews. One of the problems with the conversation about terrorism as it's been occurring so far in the United States, even among Christian believers, but more broadly in, uh, in discourse in the society, has been an analytical error. Um, one could say that there simply has been a denial of the significance of the recent terrorism in the Middle East, although the sheer numbers of persons who have suffered, either through ethnic cleansing or through outright efforts at genocide, ought to be indicative to those who watch that, that this is a real problem and it just cannot be denied. Uh, more likely and more frequently, persons in the broader society tend to treat all evils as if they're equivalent. Not too long ago, for instance, um, the suggestion was made that somehow uh, Christian violence is the same as what's occurring right now in the Middle East, with the comparison being drawn back to the Crusades, literally centuries and centuries and centuries ago. One of the problems with that is a historical error. Um, the Crusades were essentially a weaker culture, that of Europe, adopting a dominant successful culture's um, social behaviors, jihad. Uh, the Europeans adopted crusade. They learned a lesson from the successful endeavors in the Middle East by various caliphates and other groups that label themselves as Islamic. A more important uh, error, though, that's occurred is that because these victims are so far out of our sight, uh, we as a society tend to think that they are not significant. But again, the sheer numbers raise this, at least for the Christians, to, to a level that a response is necessary. There's a saying that the neighbor you should serve is the neighbor you can see. Under many circumstances, that's the neighbor that you literally see down the road or across the street. But in this particular case, the vast number of persons who are suffering warrants a response because all of us can see what's transpiring. Um, there's been another side to, to this error of, uh, for lack of a better way to put it, near denial, uh, analytical error. That's, that's this misunderstanding of proportionality. Um, there is no doubt that there are, quote, causes that can elicit anger, bitterness, etc. in the Middle East. No doubt about it. There have been people who have been treated unjustly. No doubt about the fact that some of those nation states are configurations created by colonialism and that the consequences are still with us 100 years after the fact. No doubt. But the disproportion of the response warrants are looking at the difficulties that have been arising, the terrorism that's been uh, perpetrated 
and thinking whether or not we as Christians should actually respond, not in like kind, because Christians are not to speak, seek violence, but whether or not Christians should participate in some effort uh, of a nation state, not independently, perhaps the United States, perhaps some other organization, uh, national organization, that we should uh, participate in the violence of that nation state in order to control the efforts at genocide and at ethnic cleansing throughout the Middle East. Um, if we're going to do so, we need to understand three levels of, of power, if you'll put it that way, if I can put it that way. Um, this is borrowed from a ethicist named Joseph Allen. There is power in its most basic sense, which is the capacity to influence others. Then there's coercion. That's the power to influence others against their will. Now on the first two, presumably anyone who's a Christian, at least a Christian pastor, believes they have power when they go into the pulpit. At least the, the power as uh, the capacity to influence others. And anyone who's been a parent knows that children have to be coerced uh, to do things against their will. The, the question is whether or not violence should be used, which is a third level, and that is the direct infliction of physical and or deeply significant psychological injury on persons or property. So should Christians participate in the violence of a state in order to bring a resolution to an unjust situation such as the terrorism, the genocide, the ethnic cleansing? that's occurring in the Middle East and has occurred in Europe as well. Traditionally, Christians have had several responses. One was the crusade, which as I noted before, is really a mimicking of jihad type warfare. And presumably most persons uh, who are Christians at this point would assert that crusades are out of the question for a variety of reasons. I wanna just push that one to the side. The two responses that are most prevalent among Christian believers today are just coercion theory, usually called just war theory, or pacifism. Well, let me address the latter first. Pacifism comes in two versions. There's instrumental pacifism, where the person is a pacifist in order to affect social change. It's an intentional action of nonviolence. Uh, there's a second version of pacifism, and that is non-participatory pacifism. That first form, um, the idea that pacifism can be used instrumentally, while Christians can endorse its use, we really need to think of that as essentially a subset, uh, a high threshold for violence subset of just coercion theory. Because the effort truly is to use power to control others against their will, even at their harm, usually economic harm, perhaps inconvenience, whatever it may be but to truly change their behaviors by forcing them into change. The other version of pacifism is the one that's historically uh, has found the most legitimacy among clergy, among monastic communities, and among the Anabaptists. And that's non-participation. If one is going to truly be a pacifist, this argument would go, one is not going to uh, vote and thereby put into office people who will have political power and the power to use violence. One will not become a police officer or join the military, except for perhaps as a medic. Uh, those, those arguments are the ones that remain central to a solid pacifist position. I would argue that 
No one who takes sin seriously can think of pacifism instrumentally and believe that they can actually follow through on that nonviolence and that everyone will finally simply agree to lay down their arms. In this particular case, the issue at hand is a group of persons who support the expansion or return to a, a romantic notion of an idealized memory of the caliphate.